Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Oh, it's a beautiful day to be in the house this morning. If you agree, say amen. amen. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, listen. I've been out at camp for the past two weeks. Okay? This is what happens when you're at camp, okay? This is what happens. You usually go to sleep like really late. I think the earliest I went to bed this week was like 1 o'clock. No, scratched out. I'm sorry. I actually fell asleep before all the campers had lights out at 11.45 one night. I was completely exhausted. Um, but I've been out there for the past two weeks, and so you usually go to bed at like 1 o'clock in the morning, and you usually wake up by 7, and 6 hours is a pretty good amount of sleep, but when you add in all the activities that you do throughout the day, you tend to get pretty exhausted. And so we're out there, and uh, we're getting little sleep, and we're, we're doing a whole lot of activities, and and I don't know what happens to high school boys at night. Like, I don't know. I was there once, but I've I don't think I acted like that. I don't know what happens to high school boys at night, but it's like werewolves come out in them or something. And so I'm having to deal with that and all this stuff. And get this, the week before that, I had middle school boys, and they're even worse. So, so I had middle school and then high school, and I've been out there for two weeks. So it's been a long two weeks. In between the two weeks, I had to go to a wrestling tournament, so I didn't get any kind of extra sleep. So you can imagine... By the end of Friday, when I get done with camp, like I'm, I'm very, very exhausted. And it ends at about 12.30. So I, I go home and, listen, I, I'm, I've got a confession to make. Like all my stuff is still sitting on my floor at my house. Like I have yet to wash clothes. Like I've yet to unpack anything. Like all the shoes that I took to camp are just scattered out on the floor. My room is a wreck. And I'm, I'm genuinely a clean and tidy person. So it's really bugging me. Um, so I'm exhausted, right? So I take a nap. I fall asleep in my bed for, for about an hour and 45 minutes. And trust me, guys, it's needed. But let me give you a, back, a little bit of backstory as to how I was woken up from my nap. You see, my dad, Juan knows my dad, yeah. Dad suffers, oh, you know my dad too, D, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, my dad sometimes suffers from gout. Gout comes in your feet, right? Am I, I'm thinking of the right thing, right? Sometimes he suffers from, from gout. And he's been having to take care of my dog for the past two weeks because I've been out at camp, so that means going up and down the stairs a lot and climbing this hill that when it rains, it tends to get pretty slippery and, and going into the woods and having to feed my dog and all that stuff. So um, we've had some, some rain over the past week, and when it rains, if the wind's blowing, it tends to get our stairs out on the outside of our house a little bit wet. Um, and so Dad goes out to feed the dogs one night, and I think he's having a little bit of trouble with his gout. And it's rained, and the wind has blown, and the stairs have become a little bit slippery. And so Dad takes a fall. 
Dad takes a fall. It's really funny. I know it sounds awful, but it's really funny. Dad takes a fall, and his face somehow hits the ground. I don't know. He can't use it. I don't know if he doesn't use his arms to catch himself or anything like that. Um, Dad, Dad's face hits the ground. Um, he's, either, he's either hitting wood or he's hitting carport, one of the two. I'm not sure of the story. I'm not sure that he knows of the story because I think he may have passed out after he hit the ground, as in knocked himself out. Um, and so Dad wakes me up on Friday after an hour and a half nap after I'm exhausted. And, and we all know those naps that you take a really long nap and you wake up and, and you don't really know what's going on. Has anybody else had that feeling before? Like you, you wake up and you're really confused as to your surroundings. And so um, this happens to me. And on top of that confusion, I wake up to not have, not have really seen my dad in two weeks to wake up with him with two black eyes. A big old puffy nose, a busted forehead. <laughs> Guys, this is funny. Y'all can laugh at this. <laughs> it really is funny. He's fine. He's fine. But I wake up and I think like, like I'm in Alien and Predator or something like that. Like I'm waking up to this face that I've never seen before in my life. Two black eyes, big old nose, busted forehead, and I'm I'm scared. I'm scared at this point in time. I wake up from the snap and I'm totally scared. And so. No, that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon today, but I thought it would just be a funny story to tell you guys this morning. Uh, Let's pray real quick, and then we will dive into the message that I have for us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, just to be able to come together under one roof, united with one heart as one people, to be able to learn more about your word, to learn how we should live um, based on how your word tells us to live. Lord, and it's not my message that I've prepared, but it's your message that you have prepared through me. And so I just ask that you would take this message and that you would place it on the hearts of the congregation, that it would invoke life change, that it would make us contemplate some of the thoughts and decisions that we make, um, that you would hide me deep in your cross, that they would not be distracted by anything in the room, but that they would hear your word and that they would take it to heart. Lord, this is a beautiful day that you've made, and we praise you for that, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have this message, but before we get there, I want to talk about lost arts. Lost arts. And, and maybe they don't have to be like tangibly lost arts, um, but just things that we have lost over time. I think... Having prayer rooms in homes is a lost art in society nowadays. Does anybody have a, a, a room specifically for prayer in their houses today? One, it's a lost art. Um, no, it's not an art and craft, but it is something that we've lost over time. And so I want to move our minds just from arts. I want to move our minds from arts and crafts to things that we have just lost over time. Um, but we can, we can bring up some examples of arts and crafts. One of those would be pottery. And I know you think I'm crazy because literally next door to Ashburn, we have the pottery capital of the USA. It's true. But what happens in 15 years when all the pottery makers, well, uh, kick the bucket, as some people would say, right? It will, it's becoming a lost art. Pottery is becoming a lost art. Basket weaving, maybe that's a thing. Maybe it used to be a thing, but it's not a thing anymore. That's a, that's a lost art. Um, can anybody this morning think of things that maybe we used to do in society, but we don't do anymore? If you have an answer, let me know. 
Family farms is becoming a lost art. A lot of times they're becoming, what, more commercial now? Maybe that's where we're headed, yeah? Family farms, anything else? Lost arts. Prayer in school, yeah, that's definitely a lost art, right? We've lost, we've lost um, prayer rooms at our houses. We've also lost prayer in school. Um, one more. Can we think of one more lost art? What? Fasting is a lost art. Pew, you had your hand raised. Yes, communication, absolutely. We are totally lacking communication across the board. Um, I think uh, seeing all sin as equal is a lost art. Like We we tend to to weigh sin a whole lot more now than we used to, I think. Would would y'all agree with me on that? I think we weigh sin a lot nowadays. Like, we don't see it as equal at all, and so we have a lost art. And here is the lost art that I want to talk about this morning, is the lost art of loving people through disagreement. Like, that is a huge lost art. Every, it, like, we run across it every day. When we disagree with somebody, we just stop loving them, especially over some very touchy subjects. And there are a lot of touchy subjects nowadays. In 2021, there's been more touchy subjects brought up than has been any other year combined. So previously, we'll start with even B.C., right? Uh, No, we'll start with even A.D. From 0 to 2020, we have less touchy subjects than we do in 2021. And so we see a lot more disagreement nowadays. And through that disagreement, we see a whole lot less loving through disagreement we don't know how to love each other through disagreement and so with that I want to read to you a little bit of disagreement in the Bible and we see that in Galatians 2 verses 11 through 14 and I'll read that for you and the the pat the 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 title of this little passage of scripture in Galatians in my Bible is Paul opposes Peter and I'm going to say the name Cephas Cephas is Peter. So, Galatians 2, starting in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? And so what we have here is Paul opposing Peter. We have a disagreement that occurs between Paul and Peter, and this is what is happening. Let me set a little bit of context for you. So Jews and Gentiles before the church age were not really were not meant to mix at all. Their cultures were not the same. They were not they didn't eat the same things. They didn't worship the same things in some instances like we have a big cross-cultural division between the Gentiles and the Jews. And so they weren't even supposed to eat with each other. And what we have here is Peter eating with some Gentiles, doing the thing that he's actually supposed to do. If you read 
in Acts, um, Peter has this vision of a cloth being brought down with animals on it of all kind. That, and then he has this vision and, and God speaks to him and he says that, um, that he can eat all these things. And so it represents that you can also eat with Gentiles, right? Because what God has made clean, let man not make unclean, right? And so what we have here is Peter eating with some Gentiles, doing some things that he is supposed to be doing. But then the, the, the Bible says that men came from James, but some, some commentators say that they probably weren't men from James because they wouldn't have acted this way if they came from James. But, but regardless, um, that says men came from James. And they saw that he was eating with the Gentiles, and when they saw that, he was scared because he was worried about the self-image that he had with eating with Gentiles. He was going to be condemned by the circumcision party, as they say. Um, but he ends up being condemned by Paul in this instance. And so Peter, wanting to guard his self-image, backs away from the Gentiles, and he goes with the circumcision party, and ends up leading Barnabas astray too, who is one of Paul's main people that he travels with at the beginning of his ministry. And so, in this instance, Paul has a disagreement with Peter. And, and we know that Peter is in the wrong, but regardless, Paul has a disagreement with Peter. Now, let me remind you that even though Paul has a disagreement with Peter, Paul is also the person who wrote 1 Corinthians 13, which talks about it's the love chapter. right? If anybody has all the faith in the world but has not love, it's worthless. If anybody can speak in, in all tongues of men and of tongues of angels but does not have love, it's worthless. And so what we can take from this is that even though Paul opposes Peter, Paul still loves Peter through this instance. Paul still loves Peter through disagreement. Something that we as a society have forgotten to do. We do not love through disagreement anymore if it's not your way it's the highway and you distance yourself from those people and so I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when we lose the art of loving through disagreement when we lose the art of loving through disagreement we gain the art of pettiness and and pettiness may be a, like a newer word I'm not really sure uh, the younger generation throws it around a lot, like you're being petty. And, and I'm not honestly all that sure about what it means. I think it means being childish. If you're being petty, you're being childish in your reactions. You're being childish and being spiteful when somebody disagrees with you or when somebody does something that you don't like. You're being childishly annoying when somebody disagrees with you or has, uh, does something that you do not like. You're being childishly angry when somebody disagrees with you or does something that you do not like. And so when we lose the art of loving through disagreement, we gain the art of pettiness. And whenever we act childishly, it tends to separate us further from those who we are having the disagreement with. Am I right? I am right. Right? Whenever we act petty towards someone, it tends to to lengthen the gap 
in that relationship between us and that person. And obviously, we become petty because of the disagreement or the action that we don't like. So there must be some sort of gap there already. And the pettiness on top of that only widens that gap. And so when we lose the art of loving, we gain the art of pettiness. And with that becomes the childish, angry portion of the pettiness. And we, be- and we can become blinded by hatred during this time. And the most... The craziest, the craziest story of being blinded by hatred in the scriptures we read about in John 19. And in John 19, this is when Jesus is undergoing the trial. He, he's, he's undergoing the trial to be crucified, right? And so Pilate brings him out to all the Jews. And this is what all the Jews say. They say, we have... No king but Caesar. The Jews were completely blinded by their hatred of Jesus, that they declared that they had no king but Jesus, completely forgetting that they had a king in the creator of the universe, the person who they were supposed to be worshiping. They completely deny God as their king, blinded by their hatred for Jesus, and claim no other king but Caesar. There is one of the biggest blindings of hatred that happens in Scripture. And so much like that, we can become blinded by hatred. And when we become blinded by hatred, we usually tend to say things that we end up regretting or do things that we end up regretting. Like the Jews, I'm sure some of them eventually looked back on that statement and thought, Wow, I can't believe I said that. And so when we, when we gain the art of pettiness, when we don't love somebody through disagreement, and we become blinded by hatred, we have a problem. The gap widens. And then we end up making ourselves look foolish when we have to come back on our words. Would you agree? Because we have lost the art of loving through disagreement. And most of the time, these disagreements come on things that are not of eternity. When we lose the art of loving through disagreement, we lose sight of eternity. And here's where we get into some topics. Because most topics that are debatable or bring division nowadays aren't eternal topics. Politics are a big one. Whenever we disagree with somebody on politics, guys, I see it happen in my own home. Whenever we disagree with somebody over politics, it's like, it's like we hate the other, the other person on the other aisle and we do not know how to love them. Regardless if they were Republican or Democrat or Independent, does not matter because that is not an eternal topic. What does matter is loving them through the disagreement. And I know for some of you, you don't want to hear that this morning, but you need to hear it this morning. That even though you have some people on the other side of the aisle, you're supposed to love them anyways. 
I'm not supporting anything this morning, and maybe, maybe some of you may think that uh, I, I, I end up supporting things this morning, but I promise you I'm not. Whenever we come to the disagreement of someone being homosexual, we tend to not love them because they're homosexual. And like losing the art of loving through disagreement, we have, we have lost the art of seeing all sin is equal. And so we weigh the sin of homosexuality so heavy compared to the, compared to the sins of lust that we have in our own, of our own lives. And we think that their sin is way worse than ours and really God sees them the same because all sin separates us from God. All sin pushes us away from God. Amen? Amen. All sin pushes us away from God. And, but yet, yet we see sin that we feel weighs more than other sin and we don't love that person because of the sin that they step in rather than not stepping into the sin that we are stepped in ourselves. Their sin looks different from ours, and there's a disagreement there where we begin to stop loving. Politics is a big one. Like I said, homosexuality is a big one. Sin in general is just a big one. And when we lose sight of eternity, we tend to forget what battles are worthy of to persuade people on. We get so heated. I got so heated at church camp over this past week. Oh, my goodness gracious. I was a part of the, oh, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I was a part of the blue team. So there's four teams out at camp. There's the blue, yellow, green, and red, right? I was a part of the blue team. We won basically every team comp, team competition that there was throughout the week. And we consistently stayed ahead by only 1,000 points. Oh, oh, I was so heated. So it comes down to the last day, and I, I, I feel a little bit of remorse over this, over what happened. Um, it comes down to the last day, and we're still only ahead by 1,000 points, which is totally bonkers. It's, it's crazy that we're only ahead by 1,000 points. And it comes down to this lip sync battle. Uh, not a battle. It, we have to make lip sync videos throughout the week. And once we make that video, we, we give them to the head of the camp. And then they, they judge which one is the best. And we all get to watch them and everything like that. And we were only ahead by 1,000 points going into this lip sync video. And we went down into the counselor meeting on the last day. And there was this counselor there who was talking about competitive spirits and not being focused on the wrong competitive spirit because we needed to be focused on souls and what really matters and souls is what really matters like I'm not trying to say that it's not what really matters he was he was talking about how uh, competition isn't what really matters out at camp and in saying that I felt like he was saying that we needed to be ready to lose and I was not okay with that right and so I started to get heated. I turn around, oh man, and I look at these guys, and they've been in and they've been in youth ministry a long time. They've been in camp ministry for a long time, and I'm like, y'all don't even keep up with the points. Y'all throw this thing every year, and they're like, we do too. Keep up with the points, and I start naming off things throughout the week. I'm like, this, this, this. I was like, everybody got points on this day, but us, and we won, and dun 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 dun. And so I'm pretty sure they had us losing. I'm pretty sure they had us losing. Come, come time to reveal, uh, we won. 
And I think the reason we won is because I got heated in the counselor meeting. Um, talk about not loving through disagreement. I was ticked off. I still love, look, looking back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking back, I still, I still love those guys. I love those guys through, through all of it. But in that moment, man, when, when he got to talking about competitive spirits and being there for the right reasons, I just knew we were going to lose. I called a team meeting after we got done cleaning up the lodge. I stood up on a chair in the middle of everything, and I gathered around the blue team, and I said, guys, let's win and lose with grace today. And they were like, are we going to lose? Because they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. Everybody can't. Listen, of, of the blue team, the yellow team, the red team, and the green team started this champ, chant, and, and all teams have chants, and they, were, they, they made one team called the brown team because I guess all of the colors together might make brown I don't know I think you actually need blue to make brown out of those colors but that's none of my business um yeah so they started the brown team so really it was the blue team against everybody else at the camp like when I say it was awful it was awful and so they, they started chanting um brown team you know and then and then we ended up winning and there was a whole lot of sour attitudes from all the other teams but we deserved to win and then it went so far as to some of the blue team members. I was sitting close to the front. Some of the blue team members like tapped me on the shoulder and turned around. And they were like, we almost feel bad for winning. And I was like, that made me even more mad. I was like, you don't feel bad for winning. You earned this win. I was like, you've done good at those team comps to get these points. And, 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 and it ended up our video won two. And so there was no way we were going to lose our video won two. But our video was not the best, and we all admitted that our video was not the best. Uh, the green team should have won the video, but they were in third place. There was no way they were going to come in first place anyways. Um, but in, those mo in that moment, let's, let's, let's circle the wagons, right? Um, in that moment, I was not loving through disagreement, talking about competitive spirits. And so we forget what battles, what battles are worthy to persuade, to persuade people on. Um, and there is such a thing as loving people with truth. And sometimes truth is really hard, right? Um, we read in Galatians 2 with, our, with our, our conflict with Peter and Paul that, that Paul opposes Peter and he says to his face, face, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Um, they're trying to change the Gentiles into Jews trying to get them to live by the law and that's not how we live we live by grace of Jesus Christ right um, and so we have this sharp conflict and Paul loves Peter with truth and it is harsh truth but it is truth and so we can love people with truth but oftentimes we forget what battles are worthy you see a whole lot of division over sports teams and a lot of times that's fun. Like, that's fun division, but sometimes it's not fun division. Like, uh, there's this video circling around the internet right now of this Suns fan, the Phoenix Suns, if anybody watches the NBA playoffs, of this dude knocking some guy out in the first game of whoever. I don't keep up with the NBA. but there's a, he, he knocks him out. He turns around in his chair, pops him in the head, knocks him out. He's bent over in the chairs, right? Um, so sometimes even sports teams... Um, the, the disagreement can be pretty sharp, right? Like, like, yo, if you're a Carolina fan, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Oh, oh. yeah. Wrong church, wrong church. Uh, 
But we forget what battles are worthy to persuade people on or worthy to, to give harsh truth on. We, we feel like, um, like, like politics, if they're not on our aisle, if they're not on the side of the aisle that we're on, then, then we have to, to hate them because of that. And there are some things within the political realm that probably that need to be given harsh truth. Um, like the, the facet of abortion. That needs to be given harsh truth because that part of politics is biblical, right? But not the whole thing is biblical. Not all of politics are biblical. And so we have to know, we have to discern which parts of politics, which parts of life of disagreement are the parts that we go to battle in. And then the parts that we just choose to say, okay, we don't agree, and that's okay. I still love you anyways. And one more thing about losing the art of loving through disagreement. When we lose this art of loving through disagreement, we tend to lose souls in heaven. Because I have never heard of the phrase, hating someone to Jesus. Because that is not how you bring someone to Jesus. You can't hate someone to Jesus. You can only love them to Jesus. And in, in any ways, Jesus tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. The second greatest commandment in the whole Bible is love your neighbor as yourself. Love everyone as yourself. Because we are told to love everyone, and we won't win souls acting any differently. Because hating someone to Jesus does not exist. Only loving someone to Jesus exists. And sometimes that love may look like a harsh rebuke, like we have in, in Paul's case. But especially if they're a new Christian, or newly exposed to Christianity, even then... Harsh rebuke has to be given lightly. We never sacrifice truth. Never, ever sacrifice truth. And this is truth. Never, ever sacrifice truth. But in how you present truth can sometimes determine if that person takes the truth and puts it to heart or pushes it and never picks up truth again. We have to be careful in our presentation. Because loving through disagreement means loving everybody and loving people to Jesus. And the good thing about today is I can't lose. I can't lose today. Because you know what? If you've disagreed with anything I've said, you still have to love me. <laughs> because I'm telling you to love me through the disagreement. Um, and loving others is a lost art. One that needs to be brought back. We are able to love because he first loved us. So let's take the love that Jesus has given us. Let's take the second greatest commandment and start to bring that back into society as the new normal. And that's really hard. I've had to check myself a lot over the past week with that. Because this has become something that is, has newly been revealed to me. That I'm not the best at loving people through disagreement. And then once that was revealed to me, I started looking at my surroundings and I started realizing that 
there's a whole lot of not loving through disagreement. Then that's something that desperately needs to be brought back. And if we're commanded to love our neighbor as ourself, I think it's time that we begin to start loving through disagreement, whether that be with truth or whether that just simply be with love. No matter how, no matter how they sin or anything, we are told to love them. No matter how severe you think the, severe you think the sin is. Because hating someone will not bring them closer to Jesus. We have to love them. No matter, how, no matter how many disagreements there are. It doesn't just have to be one big disagreement. It may be five big disagreements. Or ten small disagreements. Or twenty big disagreements. Maybe mixed in with some small disagreements. It doesn't matter how much opposition is between you and this person. We have to love them anyways. Because that is what our job is to do on this earth is to love people anyways because that's how we win souls for heaven that's how we build the church that's how we grow the kingdom amen, amen. okay I'm going to pray and then Jern will come up and, and he'll wrap this thing up Heavenly Father thank you so much for the story of Paul opposing Peter because it's something that we can learn from and God, there's a whole lot of disagreement around us today. There's a whole lot. You look around, you can find disagreement between almost everybody on at least one topic. And so I just ask that you would bring a reconciliation to those disagreements like never before. Bring a, a reconciliation revival. That we may be people who are able to love people through disagreement, no matter how big the, the disagreement, no matter how many disagreements there may be, God, let us take the second greatest commandment to heart and actually begin to live that out through loving others no matter what. And God, that's hard. That is really hard. It's hard to say. It's hard to do. It's hard to say because it's hard for me to do. It's hard for everyone to do. But God, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to rely on our own strength, on our own love to be able to love people, Lord. We can tap into the love that Jesus Christ gives us in order to love other people. And so we call on that love. We call on that strength, that courage to be able to love others no matter what. So as we leave here today, take that message, place it on our hearts. Help us become aware of how we treat people um, regardless of what their opinions are. Help us choose our battles wisely and help us think mostly about winning souls for heaven. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.